0: motherhood it starts from the moment of conception infertility miscarriage pregnancy birth postpartum mommy life let's unzip it all i want to let you know you aren't alone revealing monthly mommy matters every month ig live conversations with moms
1: Hello, Hello. Oh, I don't actually know how to do this. I'm like, am I going to be prompted? Do I wait?
0: <laughs> uh, I see it, and it's funny, because once you jump on, like the whole camera stuff changes. I'm like,
1: okay. That's okay. I just didn't know how this was going to work. So I'm happy that technology has notifications
0: <laughs> that yeah. show how to do this. There we go. We got this. We got this. I'm just waving to some of these people that are coming in. Right. Hello. Hello. And welcome, Dr. Chrissy. Thank you for joining me. Hi. This is so exciting. I'm so exciting, this conversation. I have a whole bunch of questions for you. And I'm like, okay, I got to calm down. You know, I started off. Let me you not know, get ahead of myself. <laughs>
1: We're gonna have fun. I'm really looking forward to this. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And what we're talking about Hi. is a lot of people and you know they want to know this information. So this is gonna be a good conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. But before yes. we dive in, yes, <laughs> let's just get an intro of you. Do you wanna introduce yourself to everybody that's on here? Sure, well,
1: I am, well, my name is
0: uh, Chrissy.
1: And I am a medical neuroscientist. So what that means is that I study the brain, um, and I just study how the brain looks and works and functions in different disorders. Uh, mental health is my area of specialty. So I really kind of understand what happens when people don't feel the way that they um, that they don't they don't feel the way that is well, like they feel like they might need some support in some way. And how do we navigate those emotional times? And what does therapy do to the brain? And what does eating well and exercising and all of these really positive lifestyle things do? Uh, So as a neuroscientist, I kind of just study that. And I have this like, you know, passion for sharing information. So now I'm here in this social media space, just trying to do my best and kind of Sharing and supporting people and understanding that they really have control over their lives and their brains and and all that kind of stuff so let's share information and help each other out so I really appreciate this you know being here tonight with you and I'm really happy about what you're doing too for moms and as an entrepreneur congratulations
0: thank you thank you thank you it's not easy but hey I'm well- enjoying <laughs> So just for those that are on here, um, one thing that we got to mention too, because this is a motherhood channel as well, that Chrissy is a mother. She is a mother. <laughs> two boys, right? I have
1: two boys. Yes. A 13 year old and a seven year old.
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. I don't know if I'm ready for
1: Aiden to get to that age. I just want him to stay small. <laughs> We're never ready for it. Trust me. I think we have more confidence before we become moms. And then when we become moms, it's like, oh, I didn't
0: know it would be like this. <laughs> I was now. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, he's, he's turning one next month. Oh, yeah. congratulations. You made it. You made I, it. I, 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. But we, we can't stop it, right? It has to happen. You know, he's exactly. going to grow up get married too. Oh, gosh. That's way, way ahead of my time. Let me not even. I
1: know, I know. Just try to get to his first birthday. And then we'll I... out what happens when he gets married.
0: <laughs> but how did you get into neuroscience? Like, how, like of all fields right. in the field, why neuroscience?
1: Yeah, well, it was interesting, you know, I think we were, uh, my family migrated to Canada from Trinidad when I was uh, nine years old, nine or 10 years old, and um, it, was a, it was an interesting time for us because my sister, I have three sisters, and my younger sister is seven years younger than me, so um, she had, you know, uh, when my mom was pregnant with her, she had some challenges, and she was born prematurely. Um, at seven months. So she was two pounds when she was born. And, um, you know, of course, the first years of life, as you know, being a mom are really those formative years developmentally, you got to meet some milestones, um, and make sure that happens to know that your baby is developing as they should. Mm -hmm. So when I migrated when I was nine, and my sister was three was a time in our lives where a lot of things were uh, coming on developmentally. That uh, she had some challenges with, so we had a lot of doctors. Well, my parents, of course, was you know uh, leading the charge in all of this. Right, um, there were a lot of doctors' appointments, and then you know uh, because of the challenges with her birth, uh, she had not only um, uh, like physical physical challenges in terms of uh, development and such like that. She developed other things like scoliosis, which is the curvature of the spine and stuff. So we spent a lot of time in hospital as a family um, and kind of understanding what those challenges were. And as a young immigrant family at the time, it was really challenging navigating the Canadian system, right? Yeah. And <laughs> what this, this whole thing means. like, um, And at that time, you know, the internet was just starting barely knew. So there was no information to kind of help guide us, other than what we were hearing from the doctor. So being the kind of person that I am, I I really, I saw that struggle. And I'm in psychology, I'm in mental health. So you know, I feel deeply, like it's part of me to feel, right? So so I, I, that really affected me as a sister growing up. And I really wanted to learn more about this. I initially wanted to learn more about it to help my family, but given that my sister and I are seven years apart, we're growing at the same time, right? So when I actually got to the place where I was, you know, educated enough to share, she had already become an adult. Um, so, so I really want to give back because I know that there are other families who are potentially experiencing things, medical things, um, you know, social emotional things with their kids. And they're just looking for a trusted voice or for trusted information to kind of help them navigate that space. So that was really my motivation, my own family's experience. Um, And then just when I started studying the brain, just literally falling in love with it, because it kind of just gelled and jived with everything internally, like, you know, this is so cool. I think it was also a fascination for how, you know, I'm a Christian, how God can put this all together right to help who we are i was fascinated by that and it just kept me going um more and more and more trying to figure this thing out to help families to help my family to help other families and kind of just see where it goes as a researcher kind of answer some unknown questions that we might still
0: have um Mm -hmm.
1: help as much as i can
0: and you know it's funny because two things that i actually want to mention here is i understand as a parent you know having child with all these different doctor appointments, because with Aiden, you know, those who, it was constant, Uh, we got a break for a couple months, and I I think this month we're starting again with our appointments, so I understand, like, you're worrying, sometimes I thought of, what did I do, I was pregnant with this child, what did I do, and that gets to you mentally, right? Yeah, Yeah. it does, it does. Yes. And even like you mentioned, um, the whole psychology, my background is actually in psychology. That's what I got my education in at York University. Woot, oh. woot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But I understand that to see that like you said, like you feel for people, you feel yeah. your family members or friends. Like when somebody's going through something, you yes. actually feel it. And there's yeah. only can do and you start you know searching and that was one reason why I actually got into psychology was because I had a family member that had mental illness and I was like right. why do you behave this way I don't understand what's going on and yeah. learning you know you diagnose some stuff that you're not supposed to diagnose <laughs> when <you're> study but <laughs> yeah, of course <laughs> what, do exactly that's what fascinated you so you got into that field right exactly. and being mom now in even in regard to like mental health and going into like, heart and stuff like that being a mom was there ever a time um that you experienced something like an emotion that you're experiencing um even if it was just as a like your first being a first time mom and you were saying okay i know what i'm feeling and at the same time you're correlating in your head to say well the brain is doing this this is why i'm feeling <laughs> Have you ever experience
1: that <laughs> I am I am my own psychologist, which I should not, right? Because we all need therapy. We all need therapists, right? The yeah. <laughs> Well, and those who need support just need to be able to talk it through with someone. Um, so I've done that all the time, all the time. But but being a mom is a very interesting role. It's one that you cannot predict how it will go because your children themselves are their own individuals. So I have two boys, they came from the same mother and father and they're so different. First like, so <laughs> different. So you whatever you did with the first one is not going to work the same way with the second one. So you're always sec- I am always second guessing myself. But I'm really like, you know, just trying my best to make informed decisions, my husband and I. And then, two, you have that dynamic in in a marriage where you think differently from your your spouse, Mm -hmm. and you might have different ways of approaching, you know, the situation in front of you. So, really, day by day, communication. I'm, I'm married, of course, the communication between myself and my husband is so important. And then also just supporting the kids the best we can in that moment, in that situation. And I I constantly second guess myself, but I just say I do the best I can and I leave the rest in God's hands. That's literally what I say.
0: <laughs> That's all you can do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when we talk about... Um postpartum, because we're gonna get into a little bit of postpartum first, but when we talk about postpartum, what actually happens in the brain? Like I know it has to do with some hormones, but, but what's actually happening?
1: <laughs> it's it's a whole thing, right? And I, I wanna start off first because, you know, some people call it baby blues, you know, that's another kind of term that's been coined that, that's, that goes around a lot. And there's a difference between postpartum and baby blues, right? Mm-hmm. Has to do with with more the intensity of the symptoms you're experiencing and the length of time. And you're absolutely right. When we think about pregnancy and what the body goes through, we know that there are physical changes. Your husband sounds like an awesome person. That's my husband. (laughs) (laughs) husband. (laughs) I saw his name pop up, so I got a little distracted. Anyway, (laughs) hey husband, mine is on here too, clapping. So hey, we got. I, I see her husband in the chat too. Okay, <laughs> back on topic. No, but no, I think we, we we sometimes forget that the physical changes that a mom's body goes through, the brain is part of the body. Mm-hmm. And it too goes through physical changes uh, when pregnancy happens, right? So we're talking hormonal changes. We're talking things that trigger uh, genetic Programming in our body that changes our brain as moms, right? And and what tends to happen sometimes when a mother carries a baby, you know, just predicting the the life change it would be. They might have pressures at work. They might have to say, how am I going to raise this kid Like financially? Do I have the proper support system? Do I actually know what I'm having? So those situational things, in addition to hormonal changes, might be triggering an emotional response, something mm-hmm. that, can I really handle this? Do I really have everything under control? And that's pretty normal. I think they, the stats say about up to 70%. Of moms experience baby blues, right? Um, it's short lived, however, in those individuals. It does not interfere with their ability to function in their day to day lives. And those moms tend not to require kind of medical assistance in dealing with, you know, their irritability or a little bit of anxiety or like spontaneous crying. It's hormones, it's life, it's happening, right? Caring for a baby around the clock is in itself is very tiring and overwhelming and you're lacking mm-hmm. sleep. So these kinds of emotional changes are quite normal. So moms uh, shouldn't feel like it, I, I'm, not, I'm not a good mom for feeling a little bit down. Yeah. So well, I just want to put that out there. But what happens is that baby blues, you know, sometimes in people last up to about two weeks when it goes beyond two weeks, like anywhere from like a few days to two weeks, when it goes beyond two weeks, and that unhappiness, that anxiety, you know, that irritability, that feeling of overwhelmingness um, kind of settles in and doesn't change, that's when we're talking about more of a medical condition that might need intervention, right? So postpartum depression is what I grew up with it being called. Um, and now it's kind of being retermed as peripartum depression. And the reason why is that peripartum, means after. So after you've carried the baby and given birth, uh, Perry takes into consideration some people who begin to feel this kind of debilitating sadness during pregnancy. So it's those, those, those words kind of tell you about the timing when depression might start. So now it's being termed peripartum, uh, which means that these kinds of depressive symptoms might start earlier during pregnancy um, or shortly after childbirth, right? So, um, and these are, it's it's a serious condition, but it's very treatable with the right supports. So moms who might be experiencing this, it will be, it, it may be overwhelming in the moment, but there are supports for you. And the symptoms are those of sadness, and potentially being indifferent to the fact that your baby's there, anxiety, you know you have effects of of energy and sleep disturbances and loss of appetite um or even eating more, like you know those things can happen too um, feelings of isolation and guilt and being ashamed like these are all kinds of emotional feelings that a woman might be feeling after she is carrying a baby after she gives birth. And these feelings might last for more than, it has to last for more than two weeks to be a medical condition. It has to last you know, um, months or, or even longer than that for some women. And the stats say that one in seven women experience peripartum depression. So that in itself says that it is quite common. But again, yeah. it's treatable. And treatment is very important. It's not something that these mothers can carry on their own. Um, and it's not something to be ashamed of, right? Lots of moms experience it. And, of course, how it's treated is the same way any other type of depression is treated. Therapy, psychotherapy is important. Uh, so that's talk therapy. Uh, even, like, uh, cognitive behavior therapy, which, you know, it's a common CBT. It's a common thing as well. That's just a way of... Uh, a a therapist teaching you how to think differently, behave differently, react differently to situations. There are other types of therapies and then medication. And it could be one of those, or it can be a combination of those, whatever works for that mom. But it is treatable, you can be supported, and the cause is really biological changes in your body, hormonal changes, and just the fact that you're really dealing with a very stressful life change. And you have to pretty much give yourself some grace to get through
0: that yeah no as anybody who's watching you'll see I keep looking now because I'm taking notes this yeah. is, a <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I wanted to ask because you did mention it that i I, I love the perry Perry part of that's what yeah it's yeah new name I had to write that down as but a- partum you mentioned that it can start even before baby comes that's right, um, but I also understand that there are mothers who have actually experienced some type of depression even before during pregnancy right. now can that affect the baby and by any chance just having any type of depression i know medication is is different but just in general the experience of it affect the baby when you're pregnant right
1: so the so that's a great question and i think what what is interesting here is that um is that what can affect the baby is the the associated Response of the mom to that child, right? So we're talking about the interaction, um, mom and the baby. Afterwards, we're talking about their ability to bond properly, right? And we're talking about uh, their ability to kind of cope with these life changes. Now, of course, a baby is very dependent. So when a baby does not have um, that maternal support, because potentially the mom is experiencing something, um, it can affect the development of the child, right? It can affect, it can have that long-term effect. So that's why it's important to get the mom treatment, right? And and to support her care um, medically so that these kinds of, um, especially when the baby's born, these kinds of bonding situations, uh, breastfeeding, uh, just caring for the child, being attentive to the child's need. If a mom is depressed, she might not attend to the child's well-being as much as she is if she feels um, stronger, healthier, um, emotionally ready to, to support her child. So it's important that we care for the child, for the mom, so that these natural bonding situations can happen without risk to the child's development.
0: That makes sense. So it's more so not necessarily what you're experiencing during pregnancy, but... How that can affect after pregnancy with right. the bonding with the child. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, As when and the their own, own- their the
1: baby has its own brain and its own kind of biological system. The yeah. mom is carrying the child, right? Um, so really, it really becomes it becomes relevant when the mother and father and the mother and child interaction happens. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that that kind of social interaction um, is a healthy one, right Because the long-term effects of neglect potentially or, or you know a mom having a peripartum depression and then not being able to care for her child as best as she could, the child can have a risk of like cognitive problems, emotional problems, developmental problems, you know impaired social skills because that, that, um, that interaction is not the healthiest one
0: yeah and i know i know sometimes we talk about you know the the, the baby blues or postpartum yeah. it's like you have the baby you just feel a disconnect but yeah. i i think mean that there's actually the opposite that happens sometimes while you're pregnant you're mm-hmm. not connected to this baby maybe it wasn't a- that you necessarily planned then you're saying my life is going to be changed and um by the time the baby's born it's like an automatic click where's my baby it's like it's I- they- you you turn into a new person when you become a mother for sure yes. as in love so you may worry about how you're going to interact with your baby because we hear a lot more about um peripartum am i saying that right peripartum we hear a, a lot more about that but we don't have conversations with moms or right. enough with moms that say you may feel this way now we'll work through it we'll try and work through it but it doesn't mean that when the baby comes that you're going to neglect the baby it can be an instant love that you have and you don't want your baby to be out of your sight and all of that so it's kind of just reframing the the thinking of some moms or um moms who are pregnant and that's they're right. With that, right
1: that's why important that's why it's important that communities and conversations like this are happening and i think also just allowing mothers to know that it's not, it's not a taboo anymore to go to your doctor and say you're feeling this way. You know, because they're trained to support you. They're trained to help you. They would let you know if, you know, you need additional support, whether it's to get connected to a mom group or a mom-to-be group, whether you need um, a therapist, whether you need to just talk it through with someone, you know, yeah. it's very important to say when you need help. You're not, I guarantee moms out there and, and women carrying babies that they're not the only one feeling this way. And they're definitely not the first woman on the face of this earth to <laughs> so feel, you know, a sense that they're, they're, they're not ready for this new responsibility. Or how lives are going to change. So it's important to ask for help and to and if you want to start with your doctor, you can if you if you if you potentially don't have that trusted support system with around you like friends and families that you feel um uncomfortable to have these conversations but the point is that you have to you have to speak because it's important to get the support that you need so that you
0: are healthy and then you are or your baby is healthy by extension yeah and I think this is the perfect time <clears throat> to have these conversations because even when you and I connected the first thing we thought of was winter blues I, I could cut I couldn't remember the name of the 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 name of it but you you helped me out I was like yeah perfect timing sad. When- it's called
1: sad seasonal sad. affect
0: there oh see <laughs> and we are in we're, we're in the winter no blues we're here yeah now is there my first question would be mm-hmm. when since we're in the winter if there's a mother and I can speak from my experience after, but if a mother is pregnant and has her baby in the winter, right? Mm-hmm. Is it possible that she will experience, or is it more likely that she may experience, um, not necessarily just sad, but also postpartum depression? Like, is there a correlation between your pregnancy when your pregnancy and experiencing that? Yeah, that's a great
1: question, and I don't know the science behind that to be honest. Like, I haven't wa- I haven't looked at those those studies to tell you definitively e- anyway. Yeah. But, oh, one, I can tell you: if a person, if a mom has experienced depression or anxiety or something in her past, she is more at risk for experiencing oh. it again um, in in her pregnancy or in or after pregnancy after she's given birth to her baby because. Mm-hmm changes because of this big life event that just happened that is completely changing the dynamic of her world. Um, yeah. kinds of, of, of situational things, environmental um, influences to mood will affect someone, right? So if a mom has experienced depression and anxiety before, she is at a higher risk for experiencing it again um, in after pregnancy or during pregnancy. The winter months are difficult anyways for anybody <laughs> because especially, <laughs> especially in a place where there is winter like i i know that there's some people watching here who who live in warm climates so they might not experience the same thing like what we're experiencing in canada i, um, I see in, i think she's in trinidad right now right just arrived today yes but the point is that the winter months are there she is with her with her coconut <laughs> Okay, back on topic. The point is, with the lack of sunlight that the winter months come, you know, we have less chemical changes in our brain, like that vitamin D is not there for us to metabolize things the same way, right? Or the melatonin. Is, is not really flowing as well as it needs to, to produce, to enhance our sleep in a certain way, right? So the sun and the, and the sun really has an impact on chemical processes in your body that makes your brain more alert, more energized, all those kinds of things. So when the winter months come, we have shorter days, we have less of that kind of uh, vitamin D and melatonin in our, in our in our system. It affects our ability to feel alert, to get good sleep, um, to just have those natural benefits to sunlight. So if naturally we experience that, and we're not carrying babies at the time, um, people who are carrying babies with these hormonal changes and these chemical environmental changes, it's likely that they might you know, experience some of that pressure more, especially with the situational change of having such a, um, a, a life changing event right so it's important that we keep our eyes on the, on these moms and that's why public health is so important and they follow moms uh, right after birth and stuff like that to kind of check that the mom is doing okay and adjusting to this new way of life uh because we just have to we have to check on them so the medical system does what they do our friends need to as well if you have a if you have a friend who is pregnant um During winter, or even just had a baby during winter, just kind of check on them. you know, be supportive and wish everywhere you can, and just know that we 're all in the winter months. The blues are just everywhere let 's just kind of support each other <laughs> in particular the moms who are already experiencing
0: these hormonal life changes exactly like like she's the woman supporting woman, yes, we need it 's key yes hubby thank you very much (laughs) um and even just being like i i personally didn't experience postpartum depression right um, but the one thing that i will say is the i experienced a traumatic time with breastfeeding so i know what that was like saying what am i doing that's wrong what am i doing that's wrong um and even with aiden aiden being born in february Mm -hmm. surprise february 23rd and he was born on a sunny day <laughs> so very happy about that <laughs> um, being with winter winter blues or sad sorry sad and postpartum um my understanding is postpartum doesn't necessarily always happen right after birth like it can happen months later right so if that does happen and say i'll give you a scenario you know I have my baby in the summer and now it's winter time and I'm now experiencing some different emotions that I wasn't necessarily experiencing before. How can I differentiate between sad and postpartum? Like, How would I know what to look for and say, okay, this is why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling? Right.
1: Now, I think if you're feeling off anyways, you just, you try to do, you try to do things to, to help yourself. So, and uh, so I'm going to tell you, and this is staged answers. This is not the end of the answer, what I'm going to (laughs) say. This is the beginning. So, I, when we're, when we, when we're, and always, when we're feeling off, it's important that, you know, we try to get enough sleep because Mm -hmm. sleep does affect how well we show up cognitively. So, we try, we're getting enough sleep we try to eat balanced diets because what we eat are our brain chemicals neurochemicals are built from the food we eat we digest stuff we break it down some of it gets sucked into our GI our our digestive system it decomposes it makes chemicals and our body benefits from that so if we're not eating well our brain is not getting the fuel it needs to build the helpful chemicals to help us so it's really important that you're that we're eating well Try to stay active, exercise, move your body, right? Because that also creates chemical changes in our body that our brain benefits from. So exercising is also important. And just tapping into your social support network so being around friends and family that are supportive that can be like say listen i really just need an hour to nap can you come watch my kid like you know what i mean or like just be in the house with me like you know that kind of
0: that like, kind of support. That na- baby is napping eat my baby is eating.
1: Yes, exactly that's yes. so anyway so <laughs> So these things are really important when we're feeling under the weather and when we're just feeling like we're a little off, I just need a little bit more burst of energy. Now, normally these things kind of help, especially if we're getting the support from our partner, um, our family, our loved ones, we're eating, we're exercising, we're, we're going outside for walks even in winter just to get some natural fresh air and sun on you as much as possible, that kind of thing. But if, it, if these symptoms, begin to affect your ability to function in your day-to-day. So when it starts to affect your quality of life and your ability to show up as um, a mom, as a wife, as um, as just a citizen <laughs> in, the, in the world, that's when we have to say, okay, is something else up here? And okay. especially if those symptoms last longer than four weeks, going into... A second month or so we have to say let's talk to our doctor about these symptoms and let's kind of see if we need some additional medical support so when things again begin to affect your life your quality of life your ability to show up in life and it's been longer than four weeks this is when you should go to your doctor
0: okay okay no these are <clears throat> these are good things to to really keep in mind because like i said there's there's times depression in general mental illness in general, um understanding that you're feeling a certain way and you know when you're off yeah when you're off, you get the help that you need yeah and depending on scenarios like we talked about support from family from friends but not everybody can give you the advice that you need right, right? it may right. not understand what you're going through or they probably went through it and they're they have side effects from what they've gone through right and all those the advice that they're nece- they they can be giving you doesn't necessarily work so Gosh. it's about saying okay i know i'm experiencing this let me just go talk to a friend yes. if that works great yeah but it doesn't it's, it's taking the stage to say where do i go next what do i need to do that's next right
1: i want to jump in here and say Taking support from someone and advice from someone are two different things, right? Sometimes we don't need advice. Sometimes we just we just don't need, you know, people's two cents coming in <laughs> to, to our feelings. But we might need them to be another body in the house to help watch our kid. Or we might need them to kind of help with, you know, uh, just giving us co- coverage so that we can have a long, warm shower that is uninterrupted, like locking the bathroom door <laughs> so you're <laughs> can't find you right so when they reach out to family and friends we love our family we love our friends but not because we need help means we need advice Mm -hmm. so being cautious even in that moment when 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 a friend reaches out to you and they're pouring out their heart you can respectfully ask them do you just need a listener here or are you asking for my advice and if say, hey, you know what, I just need to speak and kind of think through this out loud on my own, respect that space and let them be. I think we love so hard uh, in our support system that we feel like we need to fix things for people and they don't always need us to fix it. Sometimes they just need to speak and that in itself brings a level of relief to them. Right. Yeah. So I just want to be mindful here that in asking for help, you're not necessarily asking for advice. Um, and if your friend or your family or loved one gives advice, and you don't really want it in that moment, you can say, you know what, I really love you. I really appreciate what you're saying to me. I just want to think through this a bit on my own. But I yeah. really appreciate that you're lending me your air. And, and, you know, I, 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 I value it, because it's actually helping me to hear myself and think through my next approach. And then if you do want their advice, you can definitely say, please tell me what you think. Yeah, I think that's that. <laughs>
0: stop you from asking for help for help is what I'm trying to say I I love that because even after I had Aiden Mm -hmm. um you know you have a baby and everybody wants to offer the first thing make sure when you get home you do this and make sure when you get I never (laughs) for the information (laughs) I also want as a new mom you also want to figure things out on your own right you know sometimes after giving birth depending on c-section or natural you know everything that comes with that you're healing yeah and you don't know if what you're feeling is because i gave birth or right. is this um something that i'm feeling because i may be experiencing some type of depression or yeah. is it natural you need to figure that out yourself right yeah. there could be a combination of reasons why you're feeling or experiencing the things that you do right. I really, I really like that you said that. That's that's key.
1: And I and that doesn't mean I want to put this out there too. It doesn't mean that you're gonna come to the right answer all the time on your own. But I think it's important to give people space to be in control of the information that's coming at them and also to give a space to learn, right? And it might be a bad or a good thing. You might take that person who is not quite open to advice, might take 10 years to get to a place where you could have sent them in two. But I can guarantee <laughs> you that that learning experience of going through that is, pr- is it's priceless and they need to potentially get there on their own. But don't <clears throat> stop you from extending a, a helping hand. That is, it's very practical. Like, can I pick up groceries for you? Can I drop off a meal? Can I take your kids for a walk in the park just to give you half an hour? Right, like that kind of thing. That mm-hmm. kind of practical help. I, I don't think anyone's
0: going to turn it down when you're a when you're a mom. Yeah, that's the one thing. I wish I had more of that, especially with we live far. <laughs> we live in. The- <laughs> well that's one thing. Nobody's coming out to see us much. Oh, well, <laughs> COVID. You know, everything yeah. was down you have to be so careful with a newborn Who yeah you to do. so it's it's and I feel like especially with COVID there have been a lot more people experiencing depression in general not just mothers but even mothers mm-hmm. going into a new baby you Thanks. don't know you don't yeah. always know what you're doing especially if it's your first child you want to have people around but then then you're balancing a how do I have people around because I have COVID and you can't expose it's a it's a balancing act which is challenging it's hard it
1: really really is hard yeah and you're absolutely right this COVID thing sends everything upside down like even even you know moms with older kids like myself That's- we're going crazy <laughs> like how are you <laughs> homeschooling like what is this while you are working and and now you have to cre- you create multiple meals a day and do laundry and keep the house and still keep a level head and, and have a smile on your face. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. So I think, you know, giving everybody grace and space in this in this COVID time is really important. And it's really forcing us to isolate when we're not made to be in isolation. Right. We are still beings my mom does not like when I refer to human beings as beings because <laughs> <laughs> are social no she doesn't like when I refer to us as animals that's it but we're social beings we need community and this COVID period has us all isolated and it's very difficult it's yeah. very difficult for for moms for dads for families um just in general uh, so just grace and still and still reach out when and especially when it's safe to um, actually be there physically for someone else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to move the conversation a little bit out to yeah. uh, I don't know if you can see my shirt, the walking mom brain, those who follow yeah. me. I had to put it on tonight because I'm like, I got to bring it up. <laughs> I got to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. I
1: think I saw your post. I don't know if it was the same shirt, but I saw I saw it early and I'm like, I love yeah.
0: that. I was wearing a hoodie, so I had them in shirts and hoodies. And it's actually my favorite hoodie, the walking mom brain, because my goodness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And this is why I wanted to do this, because I wanted to ask, even mm-hmm. in terms of pregnancy. So when I was pregnant, and I don't even know if this is a real thing or people just talk about it. But when I was pregnant and I was in meetings, there's yeah. a lot that I'm forgetting. I'm talking to my boss. I'm like... I think you told me something like this because I have a note here, but I don't remember. And generally, even before pregnancy, I used to make like jokes with my colleagues, saying, "I don't know if this or if this actually happened." And now, being pregnant, I'm like, "I have no. This happened because I have notes. Explain to me. Remember what's going on."
1: Oh, it's a real thing. And, I, I, you know, you know, we, again, it's a cultural thing. We say mom brain, mom brain, but science has shown that it's a real thing. So there you go, all moms, you feel better, what? it's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. I think what what's happening, what we know is happening in the brain and the body, again, we kind of chatted about it a little bit earlier, when mm. when you're pregnant, and then after you have the baby. Uh, your body's going through changes. You're physically seeing your body doing different things. And the same thing is triggering the same genetics, the same hormones uh, are triggering changes in your brain. So what science has shown is that our brain becomes more sophisticated in areas that deal with social cognition. I'm going to do some kind of like jargony words, but I'm going to break it down for you after. So social cognition and theory of mind. So what that thing is, if we think of a mom and what her, her main role to be, to do when caring for that baby, you know, she's hyper-focused on, on making sure that baby is not in a danger, put in a dangerous situation. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, she's also learning how to, um, understand the different cries of the baby, what that means. She's also quite vigilant, right? That and these are all social behaviors and social interactions between this between the mom and the kid. And this is because of brain changes. Our brain changes to allow us to be more sensitive to these kinds of social interaction. Theory mm-hmm. of mind is that is that concept that I understand how you are feeling without you having to tell me. I have that like from your, from your emotions, from your body language. I understand that. That's theory of mind. There's a theory that I understand your mind. Um, and we're connecting socially that way. And that's what a mom has to do as well. A mom has to understand her baby's uh, behavior, mannerisms, mood, because that kid doesn't have any words as yet. So these are the parts of the brain during pregnancy and afterwards that change to be optimized for that mom to show up in that way for her baby. And these same brain areas, science has shown that showed up in dads too, dads who are very hands-on, their brains also change um, to kind of show these kinds of properties. So because of that, we only have so many resources in our brain. So if we're optimizing that social cognition and that theory of mind, other areas are not getting the same kind of power right so dad great that's what you're (laughs) so there is there is a little bit of a cost to other kind of cognitive processes like remembering things and you know remembering where your keys are and remembering what happened before and all those kinds of things so these are actually very kind of biological things that are happening in our body and and it's and science shows that it lasts for a long time we have research that shows that these kinds of brain changes are present up to two years after the baby has been in the world right after the baby's second birthday and we don't have data longer than that but we do see that the brain is a different brain um after a kid is born than when when that pre before the before the mom uh gave birth so these things are very real and i mean they're very practical things so one give yourself grace that's it like these are biological changes happens you know what I mean but there are things that can be done like you know you be patient with yourself know that it's not your fault that your brain is behaving differently you just had a baby these are biological changes that your brain is adjusting right be patient with yourself make lists That's what paper is for, paper and pen. That's what your phone is for. Make lists to remind yourself of things, right? Plan ahead when you're leaving the house. Plan the night before how you're going to kind of help yourself get up. Ask for help. Get plenty of sleep. Because the next thing is that sleep can actually affect your uh, babies ruin everything. (laughs) (laughs) They definitely challenge life. But but there's (laughs) a level of of love and and fun as well. That's real I love that <laughs> get, get a lot of sleep too because the lack of sleep can also lead to these kind of cognitive function issues and um and sleep really um helps in terms of making you more alert eat well of course so the nutritionist in the chat you know can throw this into eating well also helps um also help kind of cope with these kinds of things and then again make time for yourself you know yeah. whether shower or a 30 minute walk where someone else is kind of helping you with the kids just make time for yourself and know that you're not alone a lot of moms experience it as some moms experience the the opposite they experience being quite alert instead of being foggy and forgetting they experience being quite alert so it really comes down to biology and how you know the cards you're dealt <laughs> I'll take that give it
0: to me, <laughs> it to me. yeah, yeah. So I've heard, and obviously, you know, you read things on the internet, you have conversations with people, you don't know if half the stuff is real. But I've heard that, um, like, when you are going through this mom brain, that you lose brain cells. Is that true? Well, that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) What can I tell you? So without, like, you know,
1: scaring you. So they do say, and you don't lose brain cells, but they do say that we have what we call, and again, some jargony stuff, we have white matter and gray matter in the brain, right? And the gray matter is really where our brain cells live and all those kinds of things. And they do say when mom brains, when the symptoms of mom brains show up in brains of moms after they've given birth, they have less gray matter. In areas of the brain related to social cognition and theory of mind, those things we were talking about, the ability of the mind to kind of show up for her baby um, innately, that kind of thing. But I do have to say that less gray matter is not a bad thing. It shows expertise, right? Because when you're more expert at a particular thing, you need less cells to do the same job as a big network of cells would do. So so naturally, our brains get thinner with age. The older we get, the less brain cells we get. And it's not a bad thing. It's because of expertise, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, we have things like dementia. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> so we're, not, we're not even there. But, but naturally, all of our brains get thinner with age, meaning that we lose brain cells. But moms do lose brain cells. But in the areas of the brain, that shows that they, are, that they have developed expertise in things that innately makes them show up for their babies in ways uh to keep them healthy and you know
0: yeah being life right uh, okay so if you have more than one child are you
1: <laughs> <laughs> <That's interesting. laughs> i don't know but that would be a really interesting science experiment i, I... I, I think I think when you become an expert, like you know, you just kind of I don't know. It's that's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Keep losing brain cells. I, I find that hard to believe, but I do know uh, that there are changes in the brain with motherhood, and it and it's changes that reflect expertise in that social cognition and theory of mind area. And interestingly, this is all um, Canadian research. Like, of course, I before coming on your live, I did my homework. I'm like, what's the <laughs> The latest science on this, which is really fun, because as Canadians, we're on the map, you know, across North America for really being pioneers in this kind of science with uh, ba- baby baby brain and beyond, right? But yeah. they show, yes, we do kind of get thinner, our, our thinner meaning that we're kind of losing brain cells in this area, but it shows expertise. Um, and that's kind of, you know, what we understand, I don't think you keep losing. But our science really only goes two years after after the mom had gave birth to the baby she gave birth for during the
0: study. So sure. that's, that's the <laughs> limit of science
1: right now that I know of, at least.
0: Hey, I'll take it because it means more expertise. <laughs> I have exactly. more more expertise. I don't want a thousand kids, but <laughs> I'll take
1: it. Yes, I'll, yes, yes. Of course, in those areas that make you that make you an attentive mom, the rest of your brain is you know different <laughs> kind
0: of maintain some of that stuff <laughs> yes 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 um i just lost my my train of thought now i had a <laughs> and i'm like oh what was i gonna say i got so caught up caught up in this but even just in regards to like everything that we've talked about i know we have a question so i'll get to that question after but just in terms of activities like is there anything that we can weather for um postpartum depression or mom brain is there anything that we can do i know we were talking about enough sleep like balanced diet exercise those kind of things but i remember seeing on your page something about brain activities like doing certain brain activities to help you remember um and don't follow you is there anything that you can probably recommend to say practice this or do this to try and get your brain going yeah so i mean if you have time
1: because i know that moms you know they're quite they're quite stuck for like, you know, you know, uh, for time. But really, I think you've hit on the good on the really big things that we can all do because we all eat every day and we all move every day. So I think it's very important that you try to eat well, right? Because again, the food that you ingest is what your brain is using to make the chemicals it needs to behave in a good way. So eating well is important. Exercising is important. If you can exercise your brain and the way you can do that is by reading a book right getting your brain to think of things that it doesn't typically think of breaking the routine of what you do every day uh, kind of says wakes up the parts of your brain that might not have been active um, in that area so reading a book doing puzzles if you like you know cognitive puzzles um, and and th- puzzles that 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 challenge you cognitively I mean to kind of just Wake up some of that effort in the brain so when you are exerting effort um, to learn a skill to do something, you are actually activating cells and building new new networks in your brain that would kind of um, uh, that would kind of keep those resources there and also create more expertise engage your brain it's like exercising a muscle it's very it's analogous to that when you're when you're exercising a muscle it's very hard at the beginning to lift that five pound weight and then it gets easier and easier with time Thing with your brain when you're exercising your brain at first that puzzle might be quite challenging you might take a year to read a book that kind of thing but the more you do it is the more that you're exercising those brain cells and the more it will become automatically leading to that expertise and these ways yeah. that you can just keep your brain happy and just kind of keep that um, cognitive reserve and that cognitive abilities functioning as they should and even better
0: yeah, and I like that example that you use with the exercise because I I say that with moms that I work with in terms of breastfeeding. Yes, yeah. like breastfeeding comes especially as a first-time mom. You've never done it before. You're utilizing, think of it. You're working out a muscle that you've never worked out before. Yes. It's painful because you're that soreness that you feel after. You're like, oh gosh, I didn't know I had muscles there. Yeah. So it's a- thing with with like breastfeeding it's you've never used it before so it's going to be uncomfortable it's not something that you're automatically going to jump into but over time when you continue to utilize that muscle or you continue to breastfeed it's going to get easier and it's going to be like second nature to you right it's no longer that soreness that you felt when you didn't even know the muscle existed exactly The exact same
1: thing happens with your brain. I think sometimes we think the brain is this mysterious thing, but it's part of our body. And it follows some of the same rules as other parts of the body. about exercising your brain like exercising a muscle that's when you're doing those puzzles those quizzes reading a book doing something new learning a new skill right I know some people kind of try a new language or or try you know um to do art in a different way to think of a different approach to something just kind of doing something that you haven't done before so that your brain cells kind of they like oh there's something new let's see what network we can build to support this behavior that's really what you're doing
0: yeah no, that's that's good um let me just check i'm seeing there's one question in here so does um postpartum depression and all of these brain changes also occur in adoptive parents Ooh, that's,
1: mm-hmm. a good that's really interesting it's a good it's a good question um and i don't know the science behind it mm-hmm. At that the same brain changes occur, right? So I I don't know definitively what the science says. I know that a lot of the changes that occur in a mom who's carried a baby or even a surrogate, these kinds of lead to biological changes in the body and hormonal changes that kind of affect some of these brain properties and, and behaviors that I was telling you about before. But in adoptive parents, I would think that even that act of, and again, I don't have the science, but I'm happy to look into it and then, you know, pass it along. But, um, But I would think that just that act of bonding, of that social bonding, and that knowing that that new dynamic in that relationship, that role, that caregiving role that you have for another person, will trigger some of these social uh, cognitive changes. It does when you get married, for example. It does when you have a very good friend. You know what? It does when you have these other social relationships, your brain changes uh, to kind of, uh, to support those relationships. And I can see that same thing potentially happening when you adopt a kid. And when you have that new kind of social relationship where there's a dependency, when there is um, a a caregiving role um, that's with, uh, again, you're practicing, you're building a muscle. So with repeated caregiving, with repeated, social bonding your brain is going to change to support that behavior
0: yeah no that that makes it makes sense like you think about it with your relationships with everybody else the same thing same that you have with that child so there will be some type of change yeah uh, you look into it but i, I wouldn't nec- i wouldn't think as Big as you know you being pregnant not necessarily exactly like that but some type of change should be able to adapt and to become an expert in motherhood
1: now i can tell you for sure there's one chemical that we have in our brain of, of importance to this is called oxytocin i post about it a lot because i love it i call it the love the love brain chemical and that's really we call it right we call it other things too but it helps to say that when you have that that relationship that love relationship this chemical is very, very active and it changes properties in your brain. It changes that kind of connection, that bonding. And these are things that would be active. This chemical would be activated when you adopt a child, when you have that new relationship with that, with that child. So, um, so definitely brain changes will happen. Uh, oxytocin is even seen in, in sporting events. Like when you have a team player, a teammate that you've been playing together for a long time, that social support, that high five, that touch, triggers the action of this chemical so likely you would also see um the same kind of brain changes when you have an adopted child that hugging that caring uh, that love relationship is is changing the chemical activity definitely the chemical activity in your brain the structural activity that's a good question and i could definitely look into that and get back to you
0: and as you just because this is not planned but as you mentioned it you talk about um oxytocin mm-hmm. but that's when you're going through labor and when you're going through delivery, right? Um, What is the, because I'm trying to think, I think it's Pitocin. Is it Pitocin and Oxytocin? So Oxytocin is a natural, Pitocin is the actual drug. So what, um, when when you get Pitocin into your body, put into your body when you're going through labor and all of that, what is the difference between the natural and this actually being put in and in in relation to labor and delivery? I know this has nothing to do with postpartum, but it was just a question I thought (laughs) of.
1: So, uh, so sometimes, so you know, the the brain also has this kind of protective thing, a blood-brain barrier, right? And and it has sometimes that. it prevents chemicals from entering the brain, protective, right? And some other chemicals can actually come in and then create, have the building blocks or be close enough to the naturally occurring chemical that it would metabolize into the chemical that the brain kind of needs. So sometimes, pharmaceutically, we have to, we can't introduce, you can take oxytocin, by the way, but you can't always introduce Uh, the naturally occurring chemical into the body artificially, like something that looks like the naturally occurring chemical, you have to introduce something that could be metabolized into it when introduced to the body so that it could actually enter into the body and go through the chemical uh, changes. So that might be one of the situations with protosin uh, when, it, when it's given, right? It has to be, it will be used by the body to create what it needs um, and act similarly, cl- be close enough to the chemical composition that it can be quickly metabolized into it to produce uh, similar behaviors in the body to help the body do what it should.
0: Okay. Okay, no, well, that's that's good to know. And just because I'm looking at the time I'm like man, we've been talking for an hour. This is really good. We knew it was going to be a good conversation, but not for it to go so quickly. But even just to, to end off, I want to say thank you. Thank you. You really got some good information in here for all of us to really consider and apply to our life because even if we're not necessarily going through any type of depression or mental right. illness, these are like these are good things. Sleep is important. I know just had a baby, you're with children, but sleep is important for your brain. <laughs> but is there anything else that you want to end off with? Any tips, any um information you want to end off with just before we close? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is this was nope. fun. I did yeah. think- important topic and i
1: really appreciate your uh your page and how you show up for moms and how you help moms and how you share your story because i think we need to do more of that like when we see that we're not the only person because there's someone out there who's Mm -hmm. feeling way and feeling isolated. And when we show that you're not alone, like we're all kind of experiencing this or gone through it. um, Hopefully it lets that person know that they can reach out for help, right? Or they can get the support that they need. So I think one of my takeaways is that, you know, you're not alone. Don't Mm -hmm. get in isolation, like whatever you're feeling, kind of reach out to experts, whether they're doctors, whether they're, um, you know, other people that can support you in the way that you want to be supported, right? So reach out to your friends and families uh, in the way that you you think is best for you. Um, Also, try just try your best to help your body right to help your body by exercising eating well trying to sleep when the baby sleeps or, or asking for help so that you can take a, a you know a nap uh, ask for the support of your partner or your family and friends in that way kind of thing and try to stay social i know that covid exists i know that we're all in lockdown but that helps to know that you have a social support and network that can, that can support you in different situations. It helps your brain. It really does. It helps with that oxytocin. I can tell you that. Right. And the other thing is that when you, when you do have those, those, you know, the mommy brain and stuff, try to create a routine in your day as much as you can. I know that kids are unpredictable and (laughs) you, you know, you, you don't always know how your day is going to show up. But in creating a routine, you would help with some of that cognitive load that, that sometimes is quite challenging as a mom. So you know that you're going to wake up and this is going to happen first and that's going to happen next and that's going to happen third. So it takes away the chaos of the day and leads to a bit of predictability that kind of helps you um, kind of handle the chaos when it shows up. So And just just be kind to yourself. Show yourself grace. Life is hard. Motherhood is hard. Parenting is hard. COVID is hard. It's all hard, but just kind of just have grace. Just give yourself some grace, and
0: you know, tomorrow is another day. Exactly, grace. That is the main thing. Grace. I don't think we do enough of that. Giving enough grace to it. We give more grace to other people than we do to ourselves. We gotta give ourselves. But this was good. Thank you so much. So you're welcome. Not following. Head over to everyday neuroscience,
1: right? Hey, that's right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. And and yeah, and and just one other thing. Don't mm-hmm. if you feel like you need help, especially if you're feeling, you know, those blues or or like bouts of like, you know, irritability and unhappiness and all those kinds of things, please reach out to your doctor. You don't have to do this alone. There is no harm in talking to someone, there is no harm in getting medical support, and it's gonna help you feel better. It's going to be for the, the betterment of yourself, your family, your kids. So don't ever hesitate to reach out for help when you need to.
0: Yes, I think that's key because we in our community, we shy away from getting help when we're like, come on, everybody else is doing it and they're doing much better. We gotta do it too, let's go. <laughs> Are getting better. I will say that our community has gotten a lot better from years before. We are going out there and we're talking about mental health, not yeah. just for women but also for men. So yeah. I'm proud of us. Give all those on here a hand. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. But I think we need to do this again. I feel like there's so much more that we could talk about um, and you and I will probably connect maybe later on in the year. Who knows? But this would be yeah. really good conversation. Thank you all for jumping on here. Make sure you go follow Dr. Chrissy and Thank get all you. information on brain health. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good
1: evening. You too, hon. Bye. Bye.